Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. You will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. We should be cautious. Or you should be cautious. You're listening to ESSR Features, the latest episode here on whatever audio platform you're listening to. Whether it's Spotify, iTunes, whatever. Podbean. I hear people mentioning Podbean. You could be listening to us there. Give us a listen. Enjoy the fun. I'm Daniel. I'm the voice you normally hear in the background of that YouTube video you've stuck on just as you're cleaning things up. But, you know, Alicia, what given his views, I appreciate it. And I'm here to host this episode talking about the greatest villains in wrestling. And if you're going to talk about the greatest villains in wrestling, well, look no further than the four horsemen of ESSR. We run roughshod over ESSR, so we don't know who these people called McLeod, Kernahan, or Wilson are. We, we don't know what they do. They are nothing compared to us. And you will find out why very, very soon. Before you do, if you want to check out any other shows that we have, go check our back catalogue out over on Spotify, or even go to our website, eatsleepsuplexretweet.com. You will find a whole load of lovely things there, including some articles, bits about our championship history, if you even want to have a look into that. There's also some delightful shows you have on the network here. The Saturday Draft Live featuring one of our panel today and some other people that we, well, they weren't worthy to get on the show. Let's just put it that way. We're clearly levels above them. And then you've got on the YouTube side of things, what I deal with. You've got Quiz Showdown. You've got Conspiracy Theory happening every now and then with Alan McLucas taking the chair. And there, there was this show called Book It we had a while back. Go, go give it a watch, I suppose. You know, it's good. First season's definitely the best. Anyway, we're going to move on to this panel that I have here today. How do I describe these people? Our first, our first post person we have here today, he is such a villain. He walked out of a movie showing, and he was the feckin' main star, Andy Mitchell. Hey, if Johnny Depp can do it, then I could do it. You know what I mean? It had that oh. despicable David Campbell uh, directing it as well. I hope he's not on this podcast tonight. Well, we'll see how that gets on, Andy. Are you looking forward to chatting about these villains in wrestling i am indeed yeah it's uh you know it's it's great you know that's what they say people remember the heroes but it's like they're only as good for us that's nice when my hand goes up your mouth goes shut we now move oh, on right. on to our <laughs> next person this um, this man is such a villain that when i asked him to be a groomsman he told me he was doing deliveries quackeraji how are you <laughs> Uh, yeah, I thought go with that excuse because I'm washing my hair. It doesn't quite cut it anymore. It's kind of like my dog ate my homework. Uh, although I don't have a dog, so I thought, what was the next best excuse? Yeah, I'm doing deliveries. Yeah. Interesting. I see how thinly veiled it's getting there, Kwaku. But don't worry. Don't it's, worry. It's a, genuine, I'm a, I'm a... it's a genuine excuse. Okay, if you insist. I'm a forgiving man. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't worry. Mm-hmm. I forgive you. No problem. Much Thank like you. we forgive this next man. This man, many people like to think of the reign of terrors that certain people have gone on. Well, this man went on a reign of terror that was actually so delightful, I turned heel and joined this guy. Ladies and gentlemen, the biggest villain in the SSR, the GOAT, David Campbell. Sensei GOAT is here, straight first, straight hard. No mercy. Let me tell you a story, Daniel. I've always been a fan of the villains. I fancied Cruella de Vil when I was a child. And I decided when I was at Disneyland to invite all the villains to a party at the villa. Um, none of the villains showed up and I cried. And it was that, that day. What was your Pornhub search like if you fancied Cruella de Vil? <laughs> 
Kwaku, I will not take judgment from you. <laughs> all right, with a man wearing that T-shirt, let's continue with the show. All right. Well, That's we are say, this is two podcasts in a row in a day and twice in a row I've mentioned David's bedroom habits on a podcast. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going free for free next time. <laughs> yeah, was it to get the Dalmatian content you've got to go to uh, page 101. Way. Hey. Subscribe Thanks. now for £24.80. <laughs> anyway, moving on folks, I do need to ask the question. So we are going to be talking about the greatest villains in wrestling history. So that does beg the question. It's a lot like what is real wrestling, but this one we can actually give proper answers to it. What is a great wrestling villain? I'm going to come to you, Sensei Goat. What in your mind makes a great wrestling villain? It's it's a person who will do whatever it takes to get booed. It's a selfless individual that wrestling story needs the heel to be beaten in the end, but they need to do two things. They need to suspend your disbelief that they can overcome your greatest hero, that they are a great threat, but they also need to do that magical word. They need to get that magical word and that's heat. The, the, the main objective of a heel in wrestling is to get heat and the people we're gonna be discussing on this show got nuclear heat during their best times in their career. Very good summary there, Andy. You've heard that description and you you hear people saying nuclear heat. When you think of nuclear heat, is that something you want to see from a wrestling villain rather than what you've seen from some of the lesser known villains in years, aka the shit ones? Well, yeah, like, well, before, like, obviously we're probably talking about mostly like current stuff, but it's like, you know, if you were a heel back in the 60s, that was like 20 years, you know, and uh, fair enough, there was a lot of racial stereotypes to become a heel and have that nuclear thing but it does work because it, as david said is that it tells a great story you, you like you want the hero to triumph over evil you know and, and you know and i don't like tw- like tweeners are like more modern but still it's still that thing of if you're a heel you want to get booed uh you don't want to get cheered and you know and hopefully some people we talk about have they just know what a heel is and and uh again just go with it that's true and Kwaku. You look at some of history's greatest heels. I mean, for starters, the coronavirus pandemic, politicians in charge, world leaders, and then we talk about the other greatest villain sort of category that we have in the world, and that is wrestling heels. In terms of wrestling heels, what do you look for? Mm, so what's the qualities of Stephen Wilson? Um, <laughs> although a lot more entertaining. And on that sense, I would say, because I thought that's who you were going to allude to there, but well, because he's still not paid the money for the chase, because we all deserve that night out, and he's still not paid the money. So, yeah, we're waiting for that check to come through, and not a bouncy one. We don't do bouncy checks. But it's, it's funny how times have evolved in terms of the villains, because you mentioned the 60s, it was very much like foreigners, boo! Uh, they come in waving their flags, whether it's Canada that Britain and it's, it then evolved into Bond villains and everything but now they have to be more creative because you're finding a lot of times that it's now harder to be a face and it's something that a lot of people in the back have said is that um, it's harder to be faced because you need to have that likability about you whereas villain you can there's a lot more parameters that you can use to get hated but now people are a lot savvier about what is being said or what's being done that now the coolest thing is to be a heel i would agree with that to be honest very good points there 
And given what we feel about these heels, I mean, I personally look for someone who actually makes me want to, you know, chuck a bottle of like, juice at them or even throw a glow stick at them, you know, whatever people fancy. And I've oh met God. a few. You're great. a savage individual. <laughs> oh, a glow oh, stick. I know. I know. Just how dare you? I'm going to uh, throw. But <laughs> in terms of these great villains, like I, I've met a few in my time. I've met a few of them. We might mention one of them perhaps later on. But we're going to move on to our first pick. And when it comes to these great villains, this man has someone definitely on that list that he can suggest. Because what we are going to do, we're all going to name a villain. And then at the end of this, we'll all have a little vote. See who we think is the best villain of this first lot. The only rule being we can't vote for our own villains. As much as we know, certain of these, like many of these heels would do. So we're not going to be them. We're going to be ourselves. We're going to be the tweeners of this situation. So... Andy, do tell us your first pick. My first pick, he has the three eyes, intensity, integrity, and intelligence. That man is the Olympic gold medalist winner, Kurt Angle. I'm glad you I'm glad you elaborated on what the three eyes were, because for a moment I thought this man had something seriously wrong with him. But moving on from that, do tell us why is Kurt Angle the greatest wrestling villain ever? Uh, I think He's great. When it was coming together with the list, I feel like uh, it's like it's, it's hard not to pick someone who flips and flops, where it's like they're great as a heel and they're great as a face. And I know there was a spell where Kurt Angle has been faced and he has been good, but he's just much better in that heel role. And he's not the sort of the, the sort of common heel where he's like, you know, he, he's like the cowardly, jokey heel who became like a legit like kind of badass. But it was just he knew how to go out. He knew how to get a crowd locked up. And considering he was like a, he's like an actual Olympic gold medalist, if he would have debuted in the uh, right after he's before the actual era, he would have probably been a, a hero. He would have been a, he'd be seen as a babyface. But just getting in at the actual era, and it was like basically they don't want to see a guy who's great and amazing and, and stuff. And he could put together a great match. He knew how to work a great match as well. And just again, it's that thing. He just knew how to get the crowd riled up. And uh, unfortunately, during these John Cena feud, uh, it was quite hard for him to do. And he did come out with some suggestible, not suggestible, he did come out with some, uh, I, I, can't, I can't think of the word. <laughs> but anyway, he's good. Yeah, that's my pick. That's my first pick. Well, a very compelling argument there. The coffee's well enough. Ah. You, you might need to run and get some more. As we're talking about the others, feel free to go get some. But, yeah. Kwaku, I'm going to come to you first. Your thoughts on the Olympic gold medalist, Kurt Angle? Yeah, he was really up there. It was somebody that I really didn't like. And in the wrestling side, like when I was a very marquee young guy watching wrestling, and he he always had a lot of charisma about him. He wasn't just mean to be. He was mean to be mean, but he had a, a lot of entertaining qualities, and he didn't mind doing stuff that you're. Like your big baddies with the do, like, could you imagine Hulk Hogan wearing a small hat and singing Jimmy Crankhorn and all that kind of stuff? No, <laughs> uh, but and he, he did Jimmy Crankhorn, brother, and I don't care. <laughs> no, you can never imagine it. And him doing things like making fun of Shawn Michaels' music and just using that too because everyone likes Shawn Michaels and the way he comes out like the music the pyro everything about the presentation and had to just butcher the song on purpose because he can yeah he's up there he's just a sexy Kurt sexy Kurt he'll make your ankle hurt <laughs> that promo one of the best things he's ever done that I've seen 
Yeah. Sensei Goat. Yeah. Regarding the Olympic gold medalist, Kurt Angle, we've seen great heel moments that he has had. He also, we could perhaps say this, he is perhaps the innovator of what would later become Twin Magic. He's uh, he's certainly pulled off some great heel stunts. What do you remember of Kurt Angle pulling off? Uh, I remember, like, somewhat differently from the other two. I remember Kurt Angle as a heel more for the serious stuff that he did. I came into wrestling around about 2006, so I remember the wrestling machine era of Kurt Angle where he was breaking people's ankles in SmackDown before his brief move over um, to ECW before leaving. But my favourite heel run of Kurt Angle probably comes when he was in the main event Mafia in TNA, if we remember that group. He had a stable around him. He would get away with the title, get different shenanigans every week, the Mafia keeping the belt on their man Angle. And I thought that was a brilliant utilisation of him at that point in his career. Injuries potentially creeping up with him, as we've seen that they eventually did. It was a good way to mask him, keep the belt and Angle, a bit of mystique around him. And it was probably the last great new gimmick that Kurt ever developed um, in his time in the wrestling ring. Very good case. The main event mafia was certainly a very formidable stable, particularly if you look at the people that Angle surround himself with. Because think about it, Angle has had two good factions over the years. He's yeah. had Team Angle, Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin. He then had the main event mafia, which had the likes of Booker T, Scott Steiner, Kevin Nash and Sting. That is a group. Yeah, it's a group. It's a it's a group, and I think the the guys touched on it there. The thing with Angle is, and Andy mentioned it himself, and probably the only knock on him is, was he better as a face than he was a heel? You know, that's maybe up for debate. But the, the, he was selfless as a heel as well. Don't forget, that's the man who dropped the world heavyweight title to Rey Mysterio uh, at WrestleMania 22. He didn't get pinned in that match, but he still dropped the belt to, to a little guy, and it shows that he's willing to, to do the business for whoever needs uh, needs done for. Kurt Angle cares for all creatures, great and small. We've heard it here first. In terms of our great wrestling villain, Andy, that has been a good pitch you've put forward for Kurt Angle, so we will take that into consideration. We're now going to move on to our second of our picks, and we return now to a man who has offered us some wise insight as he sits there in the bathrobe looking very, very comfortable here. It's a sight that only we can see. You people are unfortunate enough to be listening to this, so you don't get the full experience of this. And quite frankly, that's fine by us. Yes, David, thank you very much. Sensei Goat, who is pick number one for you? Well, first of all, Daniel Cobra Kai never, never dies. Uh, but second of all, um, my pick is the... You could talk about some of the great cowardly chicken shit heels over the years. You could talk about some great heel managers, some great heel announcers. How about I give you all three in one with Bobby the Brain Heenan? That is my pick right now. Bobby Heenan came in. Listen to this roster of superstars that, that Heenan managed. Big John Stud, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, um, the Brain Busters of Anne Anderson, Tully Blanchard, Ravishing Rick Rude, King Harley Race, Haku and Tama, Hercules the Barbarian, Mr. Perfect the Red Rooster, and the Brooklyn Brawler. There's a couple of names obviously I've mentioned off that list because Bobby Heenan was a man who, who stood against Hulkamania. A lot of people said that people tuned into the first Mania to see Piper getting beat as much as it was Hogan to win. It was the same with the next five, baby, because they wanted to see whoever Brain was in the corner of lose to Hulk Hogan and the power of Hulkamania. It was King Kong Bundy at WrestleMania 2 who was in his corner. 
It was the brain Bobby Heenan. Andre the Giant versus Hogan, the unstoppable first versus the immovable object. Yes, the match was great. But who made the build to that match, I ask you, Daniel? Because Andre wasn't exactly known as much as he was for his size, for cutting great promos. No, that was the brain who carried that. The brain who was the instigator behind one of the greatest heel turns in history uh, when he turned Andre against the fans for the first time in his career. Made one of the most iconic moments in wrestling. That was all down to the brain. He would go on, look at his the accomplishments title-wise that he manages, because the one that's suddenly bad with the because he never managed a champion. And out, out steps Rick Rude to beat the Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania, no less, for the Intercontinental title. How did he do it? Bobby the Brain Heeran was the one to hold Warrior's legs down. Yes, and he gets his comeuppance. One of the best moments people remember is Andre finally turning on Heenan, you know, and giving him a, bit, a wee bit of a slapping back. But go to his time as an announcer, Daniel, to finish off. Like, we, we talked about the 1992 Royal Rumble a couple of weeks ago. One of the greatest rumbles of all time. Rick Flair winning with a tear in my eye. Who was calling the action all the way through it, justifying every one of Flair's actions. It was the brain. You look at all the heels we're going to talk about, each and every single one of them. Their mannerisms, what they did to, do, to build heat, they can all be traced back to that man, Bobby Heenan. And I don't think anyone's done it any better ever since. That is my that is my pick. I picked the weasel. That's what I'm going for. He's, he's picked the weasel. He's, he's picked someone so brilliant that he even told Pete Rose, hey, you know, I bet on wrestling once or twice. But this is a man who is just Bobby Heenan. I, I, I can't find much arguments against Bobby Heenan, to be honest, because you look at the work he's done, as you've listed. Kwaku, your thoughts on Bobby the Brain Heenan? Yeah. I... The brain is a bit before my time of watching wrestling, so you'll need to forgive me for my lack of knowledge or my lack of brain. Part of the pun on this one, Sensei does put in a very good uh, case for Bobby the Brain Heenan. To me, if you say a villainous manager or advocate is Paul Heyman for me, I mean, he's such a villain that he failed to pay his wrestlers. That is a bastard right there. <laughs> um, so... You so, are. Wait a minute. I could. <laughs> you talk about Mark Dallas or Paul Heyman? What's happening here? Ooh. Are they the same person? Nah, oh, one one still one still relevant. That's the difference. <laughs> Controversy tonight on ESSR podcast. We've got a lot of hot controversy here. I mean, after all, the first class league player of the week, he has done some great points here tonight, folks. As announced, thank you very much there. Sensei Goat, long live the dynasty. But Andy, when you think of Bobby the Brain Heenan and some of the many things he has done, what springs to mind that you know of? Uh, let again, uh, I think David had brought up a lot of good points and I sadly only got really into wrestling after he had went to WCW, so uh, I only know he'd done like uh, sort of commentary on WCW, but looking back at his back catalogue and that, and it's like, yeah, he's he's great villain, he's that great manager, it's like Paul Heyman's kind of the modern day equivalent and you don't really get that manager role anymore where it's like, you, it's not the wrestlers you're just hating it's the fact that the manager and as uh, again David brought up or Sensei Goat uh, as he's called for some reason he's Sensei Goat <laughs> and don't you forget it alright fair enough what's it called again? Terrible Sensei joke. Goat just <laughs> yeah. remember that we will drill it into your head if necessary good thing this is on Zoom but uh, anyways as I was saying yeah, I don't want to headbutt a headbutt 
Yeah. Uh, but no, Bobby the Brain. Ten reasons not to make a movie coming soon. Yeah. Uh, you throwing me off what I was saying then. <laughs> <laughs> you were speaking about the brain. About the brain. Uh, yeah. So essentially, as as I said, like David brought up a lot of good points of like he turned Andre the Giant heel. You know, every time you know that Royal Rumble was probably one of the with the one that Ric Flair won was probably one of the best. People still say it's the best, and I think a lot of that attributes to um, Bobby the Brain Heenan on commentary. And again, the heel commentator is like a lot of the stuff you see today is based on the stuff that Bobby uh, Heenan was doing in his prime and stuff like that. And again, it's just he kind of does get forgotten about, which is a bit shit because obviously we're just, you know it's like WWE as they they, they neuralizes every few years so we forget what happened or to try and make us forget what happened and it's just that thing it's like again there's nothing else i could say what david's not already said and it's a really good pick the only downfall is the fact that he's just a manager so it's kind of like picking on the managers a bit like uh, kind of like it's like picking on david hockney you know it's like not really worth it <laughs> it is hot takes here tonight folks on essr features you've tuned into a hot one here folks but while we're here listing all these accolades of uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan as my colleagues pissed themselves laughing while I'm filling time here let us not forget one of the biggest heel moments Bobby the Brain Heenan had he nearly spoiled the reveal of Hulk Hogan in the NWO as soon as Hogan yeah. was on the rampway he yells whose side is he on and it's like yeah. wow way to telegraph it Bobby <laughs> but again that's, I think he we're probably going to say the same thing yeah I think uh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just going to say it's like it's in his character though because he, he brought that hate from WWF to WCW where he didn't like you know he didn't like Hulk Hogan so of course he's going to like he, he's definitely in there and I was like shut up Bobby and he's like oh shit he is yeah exactly that's a re- two great minds think alike like yeah. it's consistency of character Daniel is what it is oh, yes. he said Hulk Hogan was a bastard for everything why yeah. would he stop there <laughs> it's like yes he's the first guy <laughs> And who'd have thought it turned out to be true? Mm, but yeah. Now that we have mentioned, well, we've talked about Bobby the Brain Heenan, a very great pick. I'm now coming over to the MVEP and the host of the recent Quiz Showdown 19 The Chase. Go check it out on the YouTube channel, folks. Quacko Aji, who's your pick? Yes, my pick is a crutch, not an actual crutch, but it's Tommaso Ciampa. The, <laughs> the man who made everyone cry and when i say everyone i mean sarah greaves cried for everybody <laughs> uh, so picture the scene uh, diy losing the tag team titles to aop and top of the ramp the infamous watermark appears and you you're, you you get a sense of safety with wwe that Oh, the watermark is coming. No, they're not going to ruin my dinner. They're not going to bring back up the pigs and blanket that we ate at David Hockney's house. But oh no, Tommaso Ciampa swivels Gargano around, splat right into the TV, into the TV screen. I don't know what you call it, Titan Draw. I don't know. It's just a big fuck off telly. So we'll go with that, making everyone cry. But it's just the work after that because he is injured with an ACL injury out for a long time however the man carries the momentum some may say that his work made the injury a blessing in disguise kind of like when Becky Lynch got injured because of Nia Jax uh, thunder his uh, uh, right hand but 
obviously you don't want to wish injury on people to make a better storyline but they made it work so just the way his twitter game was just so on point the way he interfered in johnny's matches and that crutch the iconic crutch just the way he would just wave from the crowd and hold the crutch it was just such an evil thing and johnny was really a, at that time was a really big wrestler of the people everyone just bought into it and how that rivalry was so personal you got so invested in it the matches were main event matches despite it not be for a title or anything it was just it was bigger than nxt itself it was bigger than the belts it was just absolutely captivating and every turn tomaso would do something more despicable the best bit i would say that really showed how much of a bastard or a villain what he was was he he used to come out to silence like complete silence and his entrance music was booze like complete booze that greatest music of all time some yeah. would say so he has and this is in the modern era where it's seen as cool but he was just that bad like getting those booze and the one time he came out you hear rebel heart playing and Tommaso Ciampa comes out dragging the crotch and he just waves at the top of the ramp. <laughs> uh, it's like, you passed, you got us. And, and the, the cheers, because Johnny was big popular at the time, the cheers led to just instant booze, the instant turnaround and reaction. And that's why Tommaso Ciampa to me is just ultimate villain. <laughs> I mean, Tommaso Ciampa did great work as a villain. You have to admit, he, he accommodated a lot of uh, rent of uh, real estate inside Johnny Gargano's head, even oh, to the yeah. point that just having a DIY T-shirt thrown at him caused Johnny Gargano to lose a match. But mm-hmm. Andy, you, we all saw the brilliance that was the black heart of Tommaso Ciampa. Like, what was your favorite Tommaso moment that he had as a heel? Uh, again, talking about what uh, before my time. This is after my time, so I'm, I've not. <laughs> I don't really watch NXT. I don't shoot me. Why are you here? I, I, I apparently had didn't have enough guests. So <laughs> Andy, Andy stayed sixteen years old forever, basically. I uh, did. Yeah, okay. I never grew up from the attitude era. But no, but I obviously know about the turn on DIY because obviously it was a big thing. And again, what Quacko was saying is. If you can come out with no music and get booze, you know that's that's some good heat. And again, he's just he's he's just stuck to NXT, and, it, and that's probably is it a hindrance or is it better because it's that thing. If he went to Raw SmackDown, would he have that same sort of vibe or would Vince McMahon ruin him? And again, he's a villain for NXT. I'd like to see him do something on one of the main rosters. And again, he's a vill- he's a great villain for for that. But I've no- I don't really watch NXT, so I-, I can't really add more to it. I mean, he was a phenomenal villain, even phenomenal enough to play a lawyer for Muhammad Hassan many years ago. I do this remember that back when he had hair. Yes, when he me played- and him had hair. Yeah. <laughs> oh, now we have beards. Man- many things have Andy changed. Andy never had hair. Andy's never had hair. What's he talking? <laughs> don't tell anyone. David. <laughs> he's had a smooth head ever since he came out of his mother. But anyway. <laughs> In terms of Tommaso Ciampa, <laughs> Quacko appears to have gone absolutely crazy here if laughter. 
having fun tonight, Quacko. In terms of uh, one, one thing I didn't need to think about today was how Andy Mitchell was came out. <laughs> we have all done it in our life. Yeah, birth is only. I'm sure only one of us, but we don't need I'm, to think about it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure only one of us has came out in this podcast. Let, let's, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Well, about that. Today, folks. Um, in terms of Tommaso's work, like you said before, like he, a heel that got nuclear heat just from walking out to silence. Go, we know of one person who tried to do the same thing, but people just booed because they were thinking, "Oh, great, it's him again." Like, yeah. it's it takes a villain to amass that much heat. And the person I made that comparison to, Vladimir Kozlov, not quite in the same league as Tommaso Ciampa. I think we could all very much agree. I thought you were talking about Stephen when he arrived at his party the other week. But anyway, uh, no. No, he has talk- that at every party. Ah, you're talking about Tommaso Ciampa. The, here's, the, here's the thing. That was that was a stroke of genius. You've alluded to it. Quack alluded to it. I actually like uh, No One Will Survive, the new entrance music he's got. I think it's a good gym, gym banger. You know, if you no, want to get has. a good chest pump, you put that on. It's like, it's fantastic. But the thought of... Jericho talked about this when he was having his heel run around about 2011 that he didn't want any merch um, because the idea of a heel was not to have fans cheering or wearing clothes or, or liking them in any way it was just pure hatred and by avoiding having even entrance music I'm pretty sure the lighting didn't actually change that much as well you know, it, was, was just, it was dark and it was just like uh, yeah. lighting on him to to show that he's coming out and it's he would just, just like wave <laughs> and effort just it's just so through. perfect it's mm-hmm. absolutely perfect and the one thing i can't deny about tommaso champa is the heat he had back then that moment was amazing the matches were amazing because we just wanted johnny to win the only critique i'd have of champa maybe is that he was never as good a heel again as he was with Johnny Gargano if you know what I mean like that was a match made in heaven and he was the perfect heel in that scenario and at that time he was more than likely the top heel in wrestling has he been as good a heel since then I'm not so sure well to be fair he has been more of a face character as of late Mm -hmm. Uh, so there is that aspect but you are right in the sense he was peak heel and the Johnny Gargano fight, but that's what what, what he'd done, and what that alone, yeah. <laughs> it was brilliant. And he was injured a lot; he, he was big time injured, and still carried that heat along with him. Brilliant. Was mm. I just wanted to kind of ask as well, like with sort of NXT being that sort of it's like the smart marks kind of that's the that's the the sort of the the tier the top tier like wrestling fans where it's like a small group. Do you think? his heel work works better because it's like you've got those kind of fans and because their them arenas aren't as big as smackdown and and you know in the their, their pay-per-views or whatever it's called now like it's not as big so it's kind of like that's a select audience did you think that's the same crossover as you would have if it was a bit more like just you know the the, the crowd that a raw would have or a crowd that a smackdown would if have? he was allowed to do a lot of the yeah. creativity stuff that he got to do quite possibly I mean I can't sit here and say it's an exact formula however the things that they were doing in NXT you would never have seen it in Raw I mean Raw when they destruct a ring it's uh, Braun Strowman or Brock Lesnar superplexing uh, Big Show it's always got to be Big Show for some reason uh, as you notice it's 
not happened since Paul White went to AEW, so they need to find the next big bastard to fall through the ring. But that, that's why Veer's coming, Quacky. That's, that's why Veer's <laughs> he, coming. He, he's not coming. <laughs> Come off it, man. <laughs> they might be doing this show again this time in a few years when Veer has just never came and has yeah, proved yeah. himself the greatest villain of all time by just never showing up. Shane McMahon's sperm is coming before Veer. <laughs> Let's just oh get that right. But and that's anyway. featuring on Suplex Retweet Extra Extra Extra. <laughs> but it's just like things like their lights out, no, no sanction match, ripping up the ring to show the floorboards and stuff like that. They just couldn't get I don't think they would be able to do that kind of thing on Raw. Uh, if it, but it's it's just all those things just carried in. Uh, the way he interfered in Johnny's match for the NXT title, and then it just cuts to Champa at the top of the top of the crowd, holding onto the crutch and just waving at him. That wave with the crutch holding, it was just su- it was such peak. Like, oh, you dick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Champa. Again, a brilliant heel. But I think I may have one to contribute on this little discussion here, folks, because there are many villains, they make sure you don't know what their inner motive is. And that's why this man's theme song starts with You Think You Know Me. Ladies and gentlemen, one of the greatest heels in my mind of the 21st century, none other than the rated R superstar himself, Edge. Let me put it this way, folks. Edge was already a, a, a heel in the start of the century because think of it this way he had a brilliant tag team with Edge and Christian sure they were playing more of the goofy heel and then he turned face and he had a good run although a little bit sidelined for a year with the neck injury that he suffered but then everything changed with a very cruel real life twist of fate see what I did there uh-huh. I should get plus points for that you pair of buzzers but anyway well, I don't even know what I said there. You can cut that. If I said there was a bit of change in the in the music, then because that's when he turned heel when he got him and Michaels. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't work. But anyway, um, <laughs> but the the twist of fate of real life playing yeah. in the unfortunate the unfortunate real life circumstances surrounding Edge, Lita, and Matt Hardy ended up transforming Edge's character into the rated R superstar. He became a dastardly heel securing a win at money in the bank stealing lita from matt hardy forcing matt hardy off of raw and away to smackdown away to join the minor leagues in edge's mind but then look at what he did he cashed in money in the bank moments after cena had gone through hell in the elimination chamber remember when that match was actually relevant and he became the wwe champion for the first time having the well the celebration on raw Nowadays, now we kind of know a bit more about it, but how dastardly a heel to flaunt that. Daniel, what happened? I don't know what happened. Can you explain what happened there, please? Go search it on the hub. Anyway, I remember watching <laughs> what that hub? live and uh, being a 16 year old boy and seeing a little bit of uh, side move. That was that was that was mental. <laughs> that was unreal. He's had a fix for side boob ever since Peter That's Griffin's it, yeah. side boob hour and Family Guy. <laughs> so just none of you turn on a side, you know, we're all carrying a bit of extra weight. I might get a bit. <laughs> I might get a bit excited. Thanks, White Goodman. All of a sudden the table just starts going. Anyway. No, please move on. Yeah. <laughs> you can cut this quacker, feel free. Yeah, um, he's drinking. Just stay then. Good. <laughs> In terms of that, he moves on from that. He has a hellacious match with Mick Foley. Even manages to turn the guy to his side later on. 
cashes in on The Undertaker a year later, becoming World Heavyweight Champion, sideline with injury again, but then he comes right back and deals with him. Then he manages to twist Vicky Guerrero into being his person, his puppet, basically, in a relationship where the two run roughshod over SmackDown. La Familia, you remember that Edge, the Edgeheads, Chavo Guerrero, and Bam Neely, if anyone remembers that guy. Who remembers Let's him? Let's talk about Bam. Yes. One of Let the greatest us talk about wrestling Bam. villains of all time. During Chavo Guerrero's great ECW title run, there was Bam Neely. Did he say much? Did he buggery? Did he do much? Did he buggery? But he was always there for some reason, and you've got to respect it. He was the Andy Walker of wrestling. <laughs> you don't know quite how he's kept his job so long, but you just know he's on your television. What a guy. Bam, hashtag Bam is back. Bam is back. And to prove it, we actually have him here in the chat. Andy Mitchell, glad to see you. Anyway, in terms of Edge's run with La Familia, more runs with the World Heavyweight Championship soon follows. Yeah, he's even that much of a heel. He cheats on Vicky Guerrero with Alicia Fox. Imagine that lovely storyline coming in there. He then keeps all this momentum going. He even has a rivalry with a freaking laptop. This is a man who is clearly unhinged, but you look at all the championships he amassed, the things that he did in that run. Edge briefly say, exiled say, Undertaker. Saying he had a rivalry with the laptop is not helping your case because everyone hated the laptop and Michael Cole, so he did us all a favour by smashing it up. <laughs> I mean, true, but what sort of a villain loses it so much with a laptop? Oh no, it was well just uh, justified. Um, nope. Pretty much anyone who's a student. <laughs> you know. Many student days. I tried I tried to forget those days. Those days were That's long it. ago. The dream has no you know, recollection the, the of that. Oh, no, sorry, we can't talk about him. What do you mean? Uh, you went to Glasgow Uni, don't you? You're a parchment and a quail. <laughs> hey man, I'm from uh I do, yeah. Uh You're he, you're he, here's my <laughs> dissertation. <laughs> You said quail, that's a type of egg, quacku, god. To be fair, oh, sorry, uh, I'm posh. <laughs> to be fair, you're more, you went to Strathclyde University, which was the original University of Glasgow building, so that's kind of more old school for you, so you've got more of that. Yeah, quacku. Where did you, where did you uh, breathe? And where, you didn't wear your glasses driving I'm, home last night. I'm just going to step in here for a moment. You guys oh, are defaming quacku here. I'm going to point something out. You guys are in the minor leagues here compared to Kwaku. He is on the side of the building. Is he? So, yes, he is. I'm a mural on Strathclyde. Let's go in with it. And I don't have to wear a turtleneck or a dressing gonna, gown to make that happen either. I'm going to have to go and spread like spray NW on it. <laughs> Good luck reaching it. It's quite high up. Sorry, right, I've got of... David will sit in my shoulders. <laughs> Good God almighty, you guys. But yes, for the, for the Glasgow Uni. But in terms of Edge and his villainous, dastardly ways, Quacko, your favourite moment of Edge? Oh, it's got, I mean, in terms of bastardness, it's got to be cashing in on John Cena, but getting Vince McMahon to come out and make the announcement as well, who in so many people's eyes is uh, the big corporate bastard that everyone hates, that everyone goes back to the Stone Cold days and stuff. and. It was him that brought out Edge, and Edge did it in that way. Yeah, so, and uh, although it's created that legacy of ultimate opportunist, that 
went on their fade in a way, like fade in a way properly. Even faces are doing it now. It's generally accepted as if you want to do it, you gotta be smart. And John, that will be looking the way John Cena did it. He announced that he was going to cash in, and it was boring, and he didn't even win. It was just like there. But if you create that excitement to that, or like Seth Rollins doing a mid match at WrestleMania, it's just brilliant. Again, good case. The ultimate opportunist. He has set trends here. Goat, the rated R superstar. He has held many championships and manipulated so many people. Out of the alliances he had during that time, whether it was Lita, Vicky Guerrero, La Familia. And of course, our our uh, spirit animal Bam Neely. You know who, like, what stands out in terms of his ability to just twist situations to be in his favour. Well, let me just say a couple more words on Bam Neely. No, I'm kidding. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> Wait, see, guys, seriously, how much money has this guy paid you? <laughs> there he is. I do that show himself. If I uh, shave my beard and that, I probably will look like Bam Neely. <laughs> um, I've heard whispers that Bam's requested an audio like, cameo in I'm 10 sure Reasons Not Taz's to Make a Movie. <laughs> <laughs> not, not like he's, he's not really got a look to hook an audience. Yeah, Hook is Hook is a good looking boy. But um I did I grew up in the era where Edge and Lita were one and the same. Lita always the difference maker would scream Joey Styles at WrestleMania twenty two. Well, grew up in the era of rated RKO. Edge and Randy Orton taking on D Generation X, eventually leading to injuring Triple H's quad in New Year's resolution. So I I've always known Edge to be a great heel when paired with uh, tag partners and alliances, but I think the the one the 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 cat of the elephant in the room, so to speak, Edge and Christian five second poses, multiple TLC wins, I think seven tag team championships during a great reign in WWE. Not only was a great heel as a single star, but whether it's a tag team paired with a manager, Edge could do it all. And he once made a video package for himself, and the music was simply the best, a Dirty Rangers song. So that made me hate him even more. Oh, I don't know he did that off. Yeah, what it was 2007, Kwaku. It was a few weeks after he cashed in and Taker. And I remember saying to my dad, that's a Rangers song. Edge is using a Rangers song, and I hated him even more. What a bastard. <laughs> Such a dastardly bastard. I mean, Andy Mitchell, what do you have to say on this man? As Kwaku, David and yourself said about Edge, he's the ultimate opportunist. You know, he had a really... How long was he healed for? Like nine years or something? Daft without ever turning face. But um, again, it's that thing of he's great, but... He, he turned heel on Shawn Michaels and uh, he who sh- should not be named, uh, the 2004 Royal Rumble winner. Uh, and essentially it was like, it was the fact that the real life affair between him and Lita came out and it was like, is it more that they attribute to like Lita actually getting the heat and he's paired with her and it makes them more hated and stuff. And then it was the same again with um, Figgy Guerrero where she's more annoying. So he's paired with her. It's always like he's paired with people who, is it them that's actually getting more hated? And he's again, the ultimate opportunist who's like feeding off that because he's he's great on a microphone. And again, when he was at the ECW show where he helped um, Rod Van Dam essentially win the ECW championship, the crowd went absolutely wild. Probably the biggest pop of the night. And again, I love Edge. I think Edge is a 
fantastic heel but again I don't think he's I think when you actually look at it it's like is he just because he's like he's paired with Randy Orton he's paired with Vicky Guerrero he's paired with Christian is it more the fact that he's always in sort of he's always surrounded by people and he's just the guy who happens to be the best with a microphone because in the ring he's, 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 he's like he, he wrestles essentially like a face unless he's cheating to win I mean Edge in terms of his heel ability I mean I speak about a great friend of him in fact I've got a photo right up there of me and him smiling faces from a few years ago. He's a great man. I mean, he's that great a heel. He got the guy he wronged in a cheating scandal out of the company. That's how much of a good heel he is, folks. Mm. But you've heard my case and we've heard everyone else's case. So now we're going to vote on a winner for our first half of the show here. So everyone just give your pick and just a brief reason as to who you are voting. So Andy, start with you. Who are you picking? I am going to pick Bobby the Brain Heenan because, again, he is just, he's hated and probably the best deal that's been picked in this round. Bobby the Brain Heenan gets a vote there. Goat, who do you vote? Because of his connection to Bam Neely, I will vote Edge. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, right, right. Who has he, who of your family members is he holding hostage right now? <laughs> Seriously, there must be a reason. <laughs> the, the, there has to be something there. Uh, Quackers, who are you voting? Uh, Bam Neely. No. <laughs> Bam Neely. <laughs> <laughs> I better not get text in the next two minutes saying sorry you better do better than that <laughs> uh, I'm going to vote for Kurt Angle on this occasion oh you arseholes I have to pick the decider here how very very dare you but in terms of these heels like no one can compare to him he did so much and he has a legacy a hall of fame legacy and you know, he is that perfect weasel. I have to give the vote to Bobby the Brain Heenan. Bobby the Brain Heenan is the winner for the first half of the show. Goat, thank you, very boys. Good, argument. good night. I'll see you later on. <laughs> One and a half, 100% record going in a high, true heel fashion. I can not. Um, you know, I, I'm only as good as the people I beat. And in this case, it was a terrible victory. You've heard that there, folks. Bobby the Brain Heenan takes it in the first half. And we're now going to move on to our second round of picks. And I'm going to switch up a bit. We're going in reverse. So I will give mine and then we'll see how everyone else does. So in terms of heels, we talked about some good heels there. And I alluded to this man earlier on when I mentioned about a reign of terror. Because ladies and gentlemen, this man gave us the best reign of terror. Arguably better than that guy who opened up a company down called TNA. This man I'm talking about, the cerebral assassin, the king of kings, the one of the best players in the game, ladies and gentlemen, he is the game. I am talking about Triple H. Now let's wind the clock back. This man, now, the circumstances of how he got into the McMahon family aside, being questionable as they were, you know, drugging Stephanie allegedly and taking her to a drive through chapel. Sure, why not? You look at what he did that year, he rose from being one of the like second in command, I suppose, in the corporate ministry to cutting his own path. He had led DX in the absence of Shawn Michaels. He had been IC champion. That wasn't good enough for him. He had been king of the ring. That wasn't good enough for him. He then decides, you know what? I want the top prize. And as he said the day before my birthday, people say I'm a student of the game. Well, I am the game. In terms of his character progression, 
he takes the title from Mankind. He then later wins it again from the Big Show. He then runs roughshod in 2000 and going into 2001. He paid Rikishi to run over Stone Cold Steve Austin, which led to that god-awful, I did it for The Rock, and I did it for the people. Which equally in turn led to the greatest moment of The Rock going, I did it for The Rock. I did it for the people. I did it for the... Ah, oh, shut your face, you're thumb-wearing fatty. But look at Triple H's progress. He ended up teaming up with Austin, the two-man power trip. Arguably one of the most dominant tag teams in WWE history. WWF, IC, and tag champions all at once. And then he, he, he that wasn't enough for him. He comes back 2003 and forms Evolution, outlining the future of WWE with the past Ric Flair, the current himself, and the future, molding our future legend killer Randy Orton and our future animal Batista into the people they would become today, the apex predator and the movie star. He did a fantastic job of it. But aside from that, there was also nothing he did brilliantly that year. He held a vice grip on the World Heavyweight Championship. He was World Heavyweight Champion for the majority of 2003 to 2005. Ladies and gentlemen, that is phenomenal for a man like Triple H. And then he thought he could do a bit better. 2013, everyone wanted it. Everyone wanted Daniel Bryan to become champion. Triple H thought, no, he's not good enough. He wants Randy Orton as champion. We get the authority. Triple H, his wife Stephanie at his side, running the company how they want it. Did you like that person? Oh, that's a shame. They're not our guy. We want our guy to succeed. We want Seth Rollins. He had the plan B. He broke apart one of the most dominant factions in history, the Shield. And then, just to throw an extra spike in Roman Reigns' back, he eliminates him from the 2016 Royal Rumble and steals the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Ladies and gentlemen, there can't be a better heel than Triple H. And now I'll hear what your opinions, even though they don't really matter right now. Quacko, go on. Okay, so I will say some of the good things you mentioned and some of the not so good things you mentioned there, right? Now, first <laughs> of all, not so good that doesn't help in the villain aspect is the Rikishi running over Stone Cold Bear. That was about hokey, that whole thing of I did it for the rock. And the thing you didn't mention though that you should have, you're absolutely right in a lot of things, but it was when he was given the World Heavyweight Championship in the first place. He didn't fight for it, he was just given it. It was just, that was just really, and he cuts a promo like he had just climbed Mount Everest, went back down to collect the belt and then would climb back up again just to lift it up there as if he'd worked so hard for it. And that, that bit there was really villainous for me. And also you did mention Stephanie McMahon, so I feel obliged to do Gary Kernahan's bidding of saying uh, if we never see her again in wrestling, it'll be too soon. Yes. <laughs> I mean, Stephanie obviously had her part to play with Triple H's story over the years. And I'm glad you brought that up because it almost reminded me of also reminded me of another great thing Triple H did. Ladies and gentlemen, have you ever heard the story of Katie Vick? <laughs> if not <laughs> If not, I can tell you the story. Triple H didn't no, want Kane no, anywhere near no, the world title picture. No, no, he no, actually no. framed Kane for murder. Nope. No, we don't want to know. <laughs> we don't, we need don't to talk know. about Kane. 
Divic. No, 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 no. But it was her funeral. It was her the funeral. funeral. <laughs> Andy, can we talk about the Royal Rumble winner of 2004? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, he's he's the greatest he's the greatest villain of all time. Oh, no, don't change yeah, he is actually. Let's change this list. Uh, Stephen Stephen Richards. <laughs> right to said so. That's a good yeah. one. To pick but um, there quite interesting points there, Andy. What do you think of Triple H? Again, as you've said, he's literally held that you know that reign of terror he's had he just held raw in his hand for start of the the turn of the century uh right up till 2006 and stuff he's probably one of the ones as well who he will be faced for about two minutes and then everyone's always like ready for him to be faced and then he just turns on someone like, like he comes out to help stone cold basically reveals that he was the one that planned the whole running of him over he's uh, in a tag team match with rick flair and the homecoming of raw turns on him as well poor little brick flair uh, <laughs> but again it's just like he's always at the center he is that he's the king of kings he's the cerebral assassin he is the fucking game and he is a great villain however is it sort of like because that that 2000 that 1990 that that 2000 era of just him is it like one of the probably the best ever sort of title runs for him his character is probably the best it's ever been and then essentially he does have a real uh life sort of uh relationship with stephanie mcmahon and then you hear the stories where apparently like a writer will go with my script and he goes do i go over and he's like yeah and then he hands the script back doesn't even look at it and it's essentially it's just does the storyline start to suffer when he's sort of taking more control of, of creative you know it's the whole like the 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 booker t thing where he hits him with a pedigree and then waits 19 seconds then pins him which is you know a great heel but also he, he was always quite a selfish person behind the scenes as well now, now he's not like now we obviously with the nxt and you know but it's still that thing of he is great it could have been much better would he be a much better heel if he never got married uh to stephanie mcmahon in, in real life I mean, who knows? I mean, he he's that much of a heel. He decided to no sell Roman Reigns' attack and appeared at NXT a few days later. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and again, he's, he's a smart guy. Like, sorry, you... no, I'm sorry. That was another line I forgot to say that went against you. Was that Royal Rumble when it gets Roman Reigns? If you see the crowd reaction, that was a hero thing. <laughs> mm. Mm. And again, it's he amazing. always. And he always wanted to be the cool heel as well. He wanted to be, you know, he, essentially Evolution as his version of the Four Horsemen. And, you know, the authority is his, Pillman's version of, you know, the corporation. And it's just that thing of, again, I remember we touched up on about Edge. It's like he surrounds himself with people who elevates him. Is like the prototype for that is probably Triple H, where it was like, I can't remember who actually said it. There was someone who called him out for it. It's like, you're not great. You just surround yourself by great people you know and he sort of became a successful tweener when he started facing uh when he started feuding with john cena and that was the sort of thing where he was he became the king of kings and he was the cool sort of like like heel sort of character well interesting points there but david you look at the people triple h would surround himself with think of evolution think of the authority triple h knew how to use talent to his advantage would you agree he knew how to use talent to his advantage for sure and all the groups you've mentioned there like yeah absolutely but 
defending them somewhat with those groups all of the people you've named came out of those groups better for have being associated with Triple H you look even back to D-Generation X Shawn Michaels comes back after his injury who does he beat? Triple H Triple H puts him over who does Triple H puts Batista over uh, to win the world title Triple H puts John Cena over at WrestleMania 22, Triple H puts Roman Reigns over. He puts Seth Rollins over. You know, from the authority, he puts Randy Orton over eventually. He probably should have done it years earlier, but that's by the by. Um, yes, he did have the golden shovel for a lot of people. That has been memed enough and it's been talked about enough. But it got to the point where a win over Triple H mattered and it meant something because he had won so much as a villain. So you take the bad, and there are bad, then our criticisms of Triple H as a heel has to be accepted. But there were the moments where it was worth it in the end, when someone was finally able to slay the beast that was Triple H. And there you hear it, folks. Triple H, my pick for this half of Greatest Wrestling Villains. We're now going to move on to someone who is that much of a villain. He doesn't want to hear the story of I'm not going to mention her name again. Don't worry, Kwaku. You don't have to edit this out. But moving on to him, Kwaku, who's your next pick? My pick, it is Maxwell. Katie Vick. <laughs> it's Maxwell <laughs> Jacob Friedman, MJF. Absolute, absolute bastard of a man. That man, he even carries it in outside work. The amount of videos where people are showing them interacting with MGF at a meet and greet and he is insulting them they give it back to him but it's just the lies and some of the lies he says is so despicable but you can tell the fans are having fun about it that he maintains in character but you know he's not being like very very serious but he's maintaining the character and the persona of MJF and he, his words alone is all he needs his words are his weapon the way he takes down CM Punk like that back and forth him and CM Punk had in Chicago was just absolute testament the fact that MGF who is let's be let's let's not forget he's very young in his career but he's hit the peaks that so many world champions hit when they were in their 30s 40s and he's not even in his 30s yet and the man is already made of in quality they should put the belt on him already in my opinion and it's just some of the quips he puts on when he's talking about people the fact that his own parents uh, come with signs basically uh, not claiming him and he disrespects his parents and his hometown he's just the ultimate villain and probably the best heel in the business right now in my opinion so that is why I have to go with Maxwell Jacob Friedman and MJF because he's better than you and you know it. Very, very fair point. I can't really argue with MJF. The only thing I hate about him just really is the fact that he's younger than us and he's got so much success. Exactly, villain. Like, <laughs> yeah, absolute. How dare he be successful? Like, exactly. I know. Dad should have had protection on that night. But we're going to move on to the next person who can give some feedback on this. Sensei Goat. Maxwell Jacob Friedman, he's a man who will insult his parents absolutely easily, as we have seen on social media. He'll insult people, even just like commenting on like, you know, oh, you can't get a woman with that. He then retweets their Facebook picture. But like, what? 
What do you think is the magic sauce with MGF here? It's the fundamentals with MGF. He is an old school wrestling heel. He is a heel in life. He is a heel in the ring. He is a man who is not going to go to the to the the card signings and smile with a fan. He's not going to. Ross likes to talk about it, how you couldn't boost Stephanie because one minute she'd be screwing over Daniel Bryan and the next minute she'd be supporting Susan Jean Coleman. You know, MGF ain't doing the charity work. MGF ain't doing make a wish. You know what I mean? That that's not what MGF is all about. He's the best promo guy in the business, bar none, right now. He is the best promo in the business, and he's a hell of a singer to boot. Uh, my, my shadow and me, me and my shadow, we played dinner, dinner, air. One of the greatest segments <laughs> of all time. I don't care what anyone has to say on that. I love dinner, dinner. Oh, it's it's fucking brilliant. The, the, the one critique I have of MGF is that. I think he needs to learn maybe the tricks of the trade in terms of how can both people in the feud make sure momentum continues and they get over sort of after it potentially. Because I think he has great feuds right until the matches, but then they don't seem to, he hasn't had that definitive rivalry yet, I would say, that we look at back and remember, oh, that was great, that was perfect. I think that's coming with CM Punk, to be honest with you. I hope so. I hope so, but my fear is Kwaku that he's he's had this time of recording, he has beaten CM Punk in Chicago. It was a great moment, but Punk just goes and gets his win back. Where does it leave MJF? You know? I don't want him to be the guy that people just beat on their way to a world title shot or something along those lines. So that's that's my only fear with MJF. I hope he graduates and we get a big world title run eventually with the man because I think he'll be brilliant at it. I just hope they pull the trigger on it sooner rather than later because he is young, but he's also he's also ready in all respects, you know? I can't fault there, to be honest. I mean, this is a man who also uh, psyched us out with the old classic 1999, 10, 9, 8, seven Jericho's last match but then we look forward to the next bit that we have in terms of his career with CM Punk and what will come afterwards but Andy see just hearing MGF stuff like I won't I don't know how much of familiarity you have with MGF's work but surely like he impresses everyone with his heel stuff don't you think yeah, like I said, there's a lot of AEW that I don't really know about. And obviously, uh, the only thing I really know about MGF is that I think he stole that scarf from Tartan Plus and Gala Shields. Uh, <laughs> so, but again, I watched that pro because everyone was talking about um, CM Punk and that. And like today's work, today in wrestling, there's just there's far too much for someone to really jump back into. I feel there's like, where do you start? But because that was making the rounds, was the the promo between them two, I watched it and I was like, I could actually get behind this guy as a heel. I don't know much about him. He's really good. He can carry himself quite well on the mic. Uh, I've not seen him wrestle, but I've, I've heard a lot of talk about him. A lot of stuff with uh, AEW. I know they're always having like signings and it's like, oh, yeah, who from WWE is going to come over and stuff like that. And it's kind of a bit of a shame that this, that M- M- I keep wanting to say MLG, <laughs> MGF whatever his name is uh he uh what is his name again i feel forgot already. mgf 
<laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, so again, is he getting lost in the shuffle while the sort of within the, the sort of title match, like the, who's the, the contenders? Because obviously, like uh, Hangman Adam Page is the champion at the minute. Daniel Bryan was up against him, Kenny Omega, and all that. Is he like? Is he just top tier, a middle sort of sort of mid card, or is he like nice. actual like main event sort of level? I know you said he bet CM Punk, but again, CM Punk's just come out of a sort of semi-retirement and I know he's still good in the mic and stuff again but it's that do you want him to I don't know it's it's, it's early days again like I said he's, he's only dream. 20 26 dream scenario MJF should leave AW come to WWE and MJF should be the man to retire Mike the Miz Mizanin eventually and take that spot on the WWE roster I think that'll be fantastic but that wouldn't happen that's just again do you think because McMahon had, wouldn't watch uh, AEW and know what this guy still is and again didn't he I, do tough enough as well and you know they weren't the, interested in what he was like the thing is the thing is Andy they took they took commodities from WCW back in the yeah. day that were worthwhile like look at Jericho you know he could be the next success story like that who's crossed the crossed the divide you know I mean I can't fault anything for MJF to be honest I mean this is a guy who done some brilliant moments. It's a subtle, it's a subtle things that he does that you love, such as looking like he's going to do a dive to the outside, running the ropes, and then as soon as he gets to the other ropes, bounces off them again, and then just tells the audience, "Up yours." <laughs> that moment, I absolutely loved. I was like, "This guy just gets it." And again, and it, is he is he sort of like a cool heel or that? No, again, it, it, no. It's, no, I know, but is it the sort of you love to hate him? So does he still get no, the cheers and stuff? No, no, no. But no. he, he, he is, he is a bad man. He's a bad boy. <laughs> yes. he's, a bad, he's a bad, bad man. One of the funniest sides I saw in the crowd was MGF tips five percent, and the crowd I just loved that. I just loved that. I think and, the best bit is him putting that photo up of like him kissing Alassie and just saying Happy V Day to the nerds out there who can't get any <laughs> yeah. only for someone to then try and own him saying I hope you and your sister are happy so his response was just to retweet it with the person's face <laughs> can't even see oh god and again yeah. that's good like, it's good it seems like the modern sort of feel of like he's using social media and he's playing the character on screen and mm. sort of in his personal life which you know adds to that and, and again I, like I said I don't really know much about him but He's making enough waves that I want to know more about him and probably like watch a few of his matches in AEW. Oh, Andy, after this, I will give you an education. Don't you worry. Send Strap him with dinner dinner air. Oh, yeah. And then watch it. Oh, we will. We'll make sure he finds out. And we've held him here, so we're going to get his thoughts on his next pick for greatest wrestling villain, Sensei Goat. Tell us. Well, you know, as the longest reigning women's champion in ESSR history, <laughs> it should, as the new face of feminism, it should obviously fall on me to bring a female pick uh, to this thing. And I, I was thinking, could it be sensational Sherry Martell, a great heel manager in her own right? Could it be Trish, Lita, Mickey? All of these people, fantastic heels. Could it be Ivory? We've mentioned Stephen Richards and Right to Censor. Was it, was it Ivory or Vicky Guerrero? And then it dawned on me that it's one of the newer era generation people who who really deserve this shout out. She is a role model, and it's Bailey 
who is my pick for one of the greatest heels of all time. And I don't say that lightly, people, but you look at Bailey years ago, NXT, as Andy said, a very faithful audience, a very specific type of wrestling audience. They loved Bailey, this wrestling fan character, you know, come to life with the streamers, the, the waving and inflatable tube men by our side vanquishing Sasha Banks, greatest babyface of the planet. Everyone thought, here's a surefire star coming up. That's who you put the women's division on the back of for years to come. Comes up, doesn't quite work out that way. The fans reject her. You know, they, they don't seem to buy into this act anymore. There's no layers to the character. And eventually people are thinking, Bailey is going to end up the fourth of the four horsewomen, the one who just never quite made it to her potential. And then that changed one fateful night in SmackDown when Bailey, sporting some shorter hair and a gold ring gear we'd never seen before, decides to take what looks like an axe to those waving inflatable tube men, breaking the hearts of the entire Kernan household and cementing a heel turn that was phenomenal. And the reason I picked Bailey is throughout the entire pandemic era through her reign as the longest reigning SmackDown Women's Champion Bailey reinvented herself and carried the entire WWE brand on her back throughout one of the most challenging times in the history of the wrestling industry. Her promo was an empty arena just shouting at Michael Cole every opportunity she got just screaming at him, what about now Cole? Hey Cole, shut up Cole! It was phenomenal stuff like rivalries with the likes of we saw with Bianca Belair. She's one of the many reasons that Bianca Belair got over in recent history. She ran roughshod over that entire SmackDown women's division. Her team, the Golden Role Models, her and Sasha Banks. What a tandem. And I, I think it's probably the strongest character work she's ever done in her career, the strongest in-ring work she's ever done in her career. We eventually got to see that Hell in a Cell payoff match, her and Sasha Banks inside Hell in the Cell. It was fantastic stuff. Bailey made went from the fourth of the four horsewomen to arguably the favourite horsewoman of many, many wrestling fans because of that heel turn and because of that heel run and it's because of that and I don't I don't necessarily think I'll win this half but it's because of that that my heart stands with Bailey as one of the best heels of all time to think that things changed from years ago when a crowd in London started singing hey hey Bailey ooh, ooh. ah ah I wanna know <laughs> if you be my girl brilliant even the same Glasgow she had the crowd in the palm of her hand that night she was the baby face still that night but the crowd that much in the palm of her hand Charlotte actually was stood there 15 minutes trying to talk and could not get a word in edgeways you would know it because they edited that down on the broadcast I was there in yeah. person I have a first-hand account mm -hmm. but Bailey such a great heel even that much of a heel she lost the, the women's championship just days after Stephen Wilson fantasy booked an Evolution 2 pay-per-view and said she's still the champion after all of this time. Dun, 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 dun. Go check out Book It. You'll find out that, what that reference is about. But Quacko, Bailey as the as heel. <laughs> I mean, what, what else has to be said? No, she is very good. Uh, the, um... 
you know, I mean, we know someone in the podcast who was so deeply affected by the heel turn uh, that she no oh, longer yeah. watches wrestling, which is such a shame. Um, pray for Lucy. Uh, on that, however, uh, within the context of this, um, I would have thought you would have gone for Trish Stratus personally, uh, David. I thought Trish Stratus would have been more your pick, and that is something I would have said would have been more credible for this pick. But fair play to you. The thing is with Trish, though, Quacky, I think Trish had a lot of great moments also as a babyface. And I think Trish was good at both. Bailey saved her career as a heel, and Trish never had to be. As much as I love Trish, and everyone knows Trish Stratus is probably maybe my favorite wrestler of all time. Mm-hmm. Trish never had to carry a brand the way that Bailey had to carry SmackDown during the pandemic era. Granted. Bailey, Bailey was the top heel on that brand. She was probably the top heel in the company at a point, you know. So that that's probably the reason that I'd go for Bailey. Like I said, mentioned like there were hundreds of great women I could have made in this pick. The Bella Twins among them for the heat that they managed to get throughout their careers. But because of just the specifics of the time that she was on top of SmackDown Brad, that's why Bailey was my shout here because of the difficulty. She's no other heel know how to get heat in an empty arena. Bailey managed to do it. I mean. She's even that great a heel that when they cut to an advert, she just decides, you know what? They don't need wrestling. I'll just stand here and chat to Sasha. True story. Go check it out. But Andy, Bailey as one half of the golden role models, a trailblazing reign as SmackDown Women's Champion. That's how much of a heel she is to me. I'm like, who is she? No, obviously I know her as the heel. Give us hugs, Bailey. The Kiernan boys loving her and all that. Uh, whereas heel turn, I know she turned heel. That was about as much as an impact it made. Again, I'd stopped watching wrestling just before the pandemic because same old shit. And again, uh, David is probably right what he says, but I can't really add anything to it. I just knew she turned heel. Good for her. She uh, what chopped up some inflatable men. Uh, you know, good for her. Right, we're, we're educating you on two brilliant heels after this show. Just you keep an eye out for our DMs, pal. So I don't like her line though was after being a role model of like young people and stuff, and then it's like life sucks, and then you die or something. That line she said, I was like, um, whoa. <laughs> it was a very good yeah. line. It, it was such a good line. It's actually a callback to the next person who's about to be discussed. Andy Mitchell, the floor is yours. Yes. In my mind, this is by far the greatest villain of any any pop culture realm, not just wrestling, everywhere. This man, did he screw Brett? No. Brett screwed Brett in his mind. <laughs> did oh, he I want do, Austin as the champion? Is. No, he didn't. He done everything <laughs> his way. Did he suggest an incest storyline? Yeah, he did. That's how fucking villainous this man is. It is the owner, the chairman, Mr. McMahon. Vince McMahon, such an evil man. He like, I will say before you give your full explanation all, but this man, such a villain that when the territorial wrestling company said don't poach talent, Vince went, sorry, what did you say that? Oh, sorry, I've already taken Hulk Hogan, the golden boy that Georgia Championship Wrestling won't put the title on. 
Like, Vince, what more? Like, Andy, Mr. McMahon, go on. Get Him. us. He's, he's, he was ruthless before the Mr. McMahon character, and he actually started the Mr. McMahon character in a cross-promotion. And I can't remember the promotion, but he, it was sort of, he'd done that. And he also done the thing where he wanted to have wrestling on TNT. And they were like, no, we've got, you know, sort of our own thing. And who bought the the company from underneath him and showed up on WCW way before the Monday Night Wars, Vince McMahon. Again, he's bought territories when his dad basically told him not to do it. It'd be, you know, and then create this conglomerate, as we know, is the World Wrestling Entertainment. I know, but what you, else nearly, is you nearly said Federation. I did nearly say Federation. <laughs> uh, again, what is there not to say about this guy? He was, you know... Only Smart Marks knew that he was the owner, you know, he was he was known as the commentator. And then when the Attitude Era started, you know, he sort of inadvertently just got involved within the storyline of the fact that Bret Hart leaving the company obviously didn't want it. He's there acting as chairman, he gets spat in the face, he has to explain on TV what happened and make does the infamous line. Brett screws Brett, tried to kind of stay out the of the uh limelight. Uh, it was mentioned uh, by Chris on the St. Valentine's Day Massacre where it was on Bruce Pritchard like, like Vince never ever saw himself as a wrestler or anything like that but again when the Stone Cold started to come up and it was just that was it it was the name a better feud you know the Bosch versus the Blue Collar Worker you know it was like just what is it to say about this man that's not already been said I can I mean, just keep going on in tangents I mean true that is, that is very very true I mean this is the man who, you know, used his family to secure a powerful faction in the corporate ministry as well. Let's not forget that, folks. But Sensei Goat, Vince McMahon, an inspiration to many. Perhaps that explains how Stephen Wilson runs his very podcast. But what do you have to say about him? I think that Andy is 100% right in what he says. That Vince McMahon is the greatest not wrestling villain of all time. He is the greatest television villain of all time you've got to look at the reasons why WWF was at the, its most popular in that late 90s era and as much as it was Austin you know running roughshod who was he rallying against this was this was Roadrunner and Coyote you know this was Batman and Joker it was Austin and McMahon you know every week you tuned in for this story you tuned in to see those two, you know, clashing heads. And Vince, he never wanted to get in the ring. He didn't need to. He didn't need a match against Stone Cold. He just had to be that antagonist. You know, he was dick dastardly. You know, if this was the wacky races, he was dick dastardly. And you tuned in to see what antics he was going to get up to, what hair-breaking scheme he would do to try and stop Austin. You know, that, that was... I think this was lost in modern-day WWE. I was just going to. I was just going to say I'd love to have seen an episode of uh, Raw when Vince McMahon draws a lifelike like portrait of a tunnel when Austin just runs through it. <laughs> <laughs> that that would have been something that. to behold. That, that's I mean, Quacky's type of wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> that to be fair, it probably did make the writers' room at some point, but probably Vince Russo showed it down just like Raw oh, ain't cool enough. But Quacky, mm-hmm. Mr. McMahon. I mean, he's a man so villainous that he, I mean, he, he wronged the beloved Linda McMahon on many a, an occasion. Like, 
what more needs to be said about Vince? What do you think? Oh, he's a good family man. A great family man. <laughs> um, I think he's just misunderstood, you know, and um, he, he just had a troubled life. He was trying to express himself and then everyone just booed him. And it, it's such a shame because he had, what a heart of gold that Vince McMahon has got, honestly. I know. You should get to know him. He even gave God a chance to have a match on, on WWE TV. Exactly. He even beat God. Like he put God on TV. Like mm. not not many people put God on TV, they just mention him. But this mm. person he actually put put like tried to put him on TV. How great of a man is he? Come on. I know. Well the thing is, Daniel brought it up for all the things he's done to Linda, you know. <laughs> I'm thinking I'm thinking we need to put Vince in a match with Bam Neely to sort him out. Put him in a case. That's it. With Linda, a special guest enforcer. <laughs> yes. Linda stepping up from her chair. That's the greatest moment in wrestling. Easily one like, of the greatest like moments. She's, like she's performing a Westlife number. Insane. And then, <laughs> as you were saying before, with the Bailey life sucks, now you die. That was a Vince McMahon promo. It's a long promo, but again, it's still effective. The the way he says it, the just his mannerisms on the microphone all those years in commentary life sucks and then you die that's like it is is the goofy like again he could be the dastardly villain he could be the comical villain he could be the just the nasty one he could be silly with the it's me austin it's me all along uh you know it's just he fits all the roles he's just he's a crazy motherfucker that's all i'm gonna say about him <laughs> You know, and everyone's trying to recreate it. I know they say like Eric Bischoff was the heel authority figure beforehand, but again, it's like who who are they all try to replicate. They're all try. They keep doing it every time. It's like there'll be a new authority figure, and it's they're just doing McMahon. You know, Mark Twenty at this point. Yeah. I mean, th- there's Vince McMahon again, like a great character and a great suggestion from Andy there. Before we go on to vote for our picks, we'll, I'll throw a couple of names that we haven't mentioned because there have been some great wrestling villains, but these are names we haven't discussed properly today. So I'll just get a quick thought on each. So here's one, for instance, Andy just mentioned it there, Eric Bischoff, Easy e the head honcho of WCW for so many years. Easy e Easy e Yeah, Uncle Eric. You know? He's back and he's better than ever. I think Eric Bischoff is the best smug bastard in wrestling history. Mm-hmm. There has never been a man with a more smug face in wrestling. What is I, I, I Eric Bischoff's a hero of mine, that's all I'll say. Can we get a show later on this year oh, on best smug bastards in wrestling? <laughs> yeah, that's I'll put it to the feature planning committee. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. But Clacker, your thoughts on Eric Bischoff? You evidently don't like his easy E nickname, but what do you like about him? Uh, when he did his arm back and he steps out the shadow into the lights, that was very cool. Eric Bischoff, like a great villain there. Andy, your thoughts on Raw General Manager Eric Bischoff? The greatest villain act he ever did was uh, sacking Stone Cold over the phone, and then you know Steve Austin became the biggest thing in wrestling. You know that was you know I was Eric Bischoff. Oh, the, the best part, it wasn't even phone, it was FedEx. Yeah, FedEx, that was it. I couldn't remember. Uh, and also, oh. he knows karate. Oh, yeah. Don't, yeah. don't let forget it. He also treats his family right, just like how he treated his nephew. Eric Bischoff trains in Cobra Kai. That's right. Oh, sure. he, he probably does. Another yes. villain, the dirtiest player in the game, the nature boy, Ric Flair. The man who was a mentor to my pick earlier, this rebel assassin, Triple H. 
I yeah. mean, and the thing is, Daniel, that we've talked about a lot of old heels, but this man's going through his best heel run right now. This is oh, <laughs> <laughs> this is insane. Like it's and it's honestly incredible. Like just, I mean, the stuff that is going on about him is horrible enough, and then we get to what he did in the past with his wrestling career. I mean. How many times did he have like how many different versions of the four horsemen did he have for pete's sake yeah yeah i think when they brought in buddy dean malenko was a horseman at one point if i just made yep. that up you know who yeah. they should have had bam nearly is one yes. of those three yeah yes andy if the work legend goes that he rejected a spot in horseman because he thought it was beneath him you know so <laughs> I'm nearly as a horseman. You've heard it here first, folks. But I'm nearly for the Christmas special. Let's have it. Oh, oh definitely. Sake. I mean, a Bam nearly Christmas special. We need. We, if there's one way we can top the Viscera special, that might be it. But we'll, we'll find out when we get to that one. Another villain. I'm just thinking there. He like he was a name that was floated around in the chat in preparation for the show. Jake the Snake Roberts. Mm. One of the best mm. cerebral minds in the business. One of the best promos in the business as well, in my opinion. And if you've got 21, I got 22. Yeah. That infamous yeah. promo where he was absolutely sloshed, you know. Don't go drinking with him because he's, uh, you know, he's, he's uh, it'll help him relapse. Yeah. But he's also, like, he's one of the best wrestlers uh, ever to never held a world title. No. And now a great manager to Lance Archer as well. Mm-hmm. Very yeah, sure no, there. Yeah, he's just fun. He was great, and uh, again, I would love to see that thing where he uh, DDTs Hulk Hogan, and the crowd goes absolutely wild. Uh, <laughs> he was he was phenomenal, to be honest. Let's let's just put it out there. Jake Snake was brilliant. Another name we haven't talked about. We talked about his AEW counterpart, I suppose, that many people would think of, but WWE's original. The Miz. He came to play. There's there's not many people who can elicit a response like Angry Miz Girl when he won the <laughs> championship. You know, so that 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 image should speak for itself and the power yeah. of the Miz. The, the fact that she won a slammy and then he took it off her. Like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, he's a sure he's a surefire Hall of Famer. And I, I don't think it gets said enough about the Miz. I don't think Miz will ever get the respect that deserves his. Mm-hmm. He is he just I said he's the best heel of the modern era. He said that in an interview last week. So if AJ's saying it, I'll take mm-hmm. that man's word for anything to do with wrestling, to be fair. Maybe not in the shape of the earth, but for wrestling. I mean, yeah, can't deny it. I mean, Wait, quite what, what's just, wrong just... with the shape of the earth? Yeah, he's a flyer for. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. The, the gay community. <laughs> I mean, I always remember that. Oh, no. Let's not think about that. But, Quacko, in terms of the Miz, the man's got such a great success story. I mean, the only thing I was disappointed at was they didn't put an image of Angry Miz Girl in the Thunderdome when he got his second WWE Championship. But, like... What oh, they more? missed a trick there. Oh, they definitely did. But the Miz, like, I think, if I'm not mistaken, he is also the first person to do the Grand Slam twice, or at least mm-hmm. one of the people to do it. Like, mm-hmm. accolades speak for himself, don't you think? Yeah, they do. And it's just, and it's also more humbling when you hear of the trials and tribulations he had to go through with such a be a star shall we say uh, background scene in, uh, in the WWE locker room of the boys being the boys shall we say but yeah, speaking of will. which 
JBL was a great heel as well. <laughs> oh, true <laughs> that. I mean, how could we forget the man who was such an American patriot? He got himself banned from Germany. But yeah. you know, that's uh, a story for another day, I suppose. <laughs> but mm. let's. We've talked some great picks there, but we now want to get our pick on who we have in the second half of the show. Who is our winner for the second half of Greatest Wrestling Villain? I'm going to go first to Kwaku, your pick. Mm, other than mine, I'll maybe go Vince. Mr. McMahon, he gets a vote from Kwaku. Sensei Goat. It's fairly easy for me. It's Vince and Kennedy McMahon. Let's just... Let's just be honest. Um, Andy, for shits and giggles, who would you have picked? Obviously, you can't pick yourself, but who would you have picked? Uh, that bastard, Stephen Wilson. And, uh, <laughs> Edge, actually, can we all change our picks to Stephen? <laughs> Still waiting for that cash from the chase. Uh, no, Edge would have been my pick. Uh, <laughs> Edge was part one. You haven't taken your cod liver oil this morning, <laughs> old man. He picked yeah. Triple H this half. So, yeah, again, it's very late. I've, my coffee's running off. Uh, <laughs> Triple H, sorry. <laughs> no, we're keeping it in the family because my pick, I'll be honest, I would join I would join Goat and Quacker and their thoughts. Vince McMahon, arguably the greatest wrestling villain. Let's just also put this out there. Does he trump Bobby the Brain Heenan for greatest villain? There's a no. thought. No, that's not yeah. a question we need to decide. Me and Andy have both won. We're both winners in this show. <laughs> you know, a, a director-actor combination to rival Scorsese and, and De Niro. You know, we are we are icons, and, and you two are, are losers, quite frankly. <laughs> yeah, that's how we finish. Well, Quacker and I are GTA rich, Terrible. so screw you. <laughs> but, folks, you've heard our picks there. Like, Bobby the Brain Heenan and Mr. McMahon two of the greatest wrestling villains of all time who would you have picked as your greatest wrestling villain do let us know on social media at suplex retweet facebook twitter and instagram join the facebook community group on there we'd love to have you there we share some questions every now and then goat does one every week he apparently is not asked to by the other greatest villain in the podcast ross mcleod but he will ross do it demands, ross begs me to make his little show relevant don't i don't care to otherwise You've heard it here oh, first, folks. I thought that was the A show. <laughs> what shows this again? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's the best point there. No one knows what to do. Fair, that's, that's, that's not even an insult. Andy doesn't know anything that's going on at wrestling know, or I any haven't. podcast show he's not on. Like, I know. Let's, let's, let's be, I've let's heard whispers the show goes out on Thursdays and it just says, untitled. <laughs> <laughs> but that's going to do us on this episode here, folks. I have been Daniel Campbell hosting for the first time on this and maybe i'll be back again for another wholesome gig sometime you never know but i would like to thank my panel for tonight so andy mitchell thank you very much for coming on always a pleasure uh, yourself daniel david and quackery lovely to see you boys sensei goat thank you for gracing us with your presence yeah no worries and as a member of the feature planning committee i should let you all know that next week's feature show is nxt's best rivalries so if you don't want to hear david hockney get a hard on for adam cole i would advise <laughs> not tuning in week week head on do tune in give show show some love and obviously our mvep who's going to have one hell of a job editing this show thank you very much quacker aji glasgow uni sucks they you die <laughs> sure. and that is us here from ESSR Feature thank you all very much and in the words of another great wrestling villain thank you, fuck you, bye there now follows an enthusiastic advertisement for Quiz Showdown Hello guys, welcome to Quiz Showdown. I'm Daniel Campbell and in this show you're going to see the members of the Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet team go through a very strange quiz 
We don't know what the heck's going on with it, but you're going to have to watch to find out. Go check out on the YouTube channel now. That was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown.